you're listening to Payments Innovation, a podcast dedicated to helping business leaders navigate today's global digital economy. Looking to learn about the latest innovations within fintech and payments? You've come to the right place. Let's get into the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Payments Innovation Podcast. This is your host, Kara Hayward hosting the series of FinTech Karaoke, focused on partnerships in the FinTech ecosystem. I'm so excited to have both Adam Steenhard and Brady Harris from Dwala here today. Um, we're gonna be talking a lot about RTP and what's been happening um, around RTP in the US, what we have to look forward to and what Dwala has been um, kind of looking at in terms of the future. So welcome Brady and Adam. Um, Brady, if you could start with some, a quick introduction about yourself and Dwala, that would be great. Yeah, thanks for having us, Kara. It's great, great to be here. As you mentioned, I'm, I'm the CEO of Dwala. Uh, I had my 12-month anniversary yesterday. So I had the pleasure of coming on board, I think about a week into the COVID-19 shutdown. Gosh. <laughs> so it's, it's been a long and uh, eventful year, but uh, Dwala is an amazing company. I've been in payments for the better part of 20 years now, uh, primarily on the card side. And so Dwala is, uh, is a really respected organization. Never thought I'd get the chance to, to work there, uh, but that opportunity came up and I had to jump at it. Yeah, you know, if people don't know Dwala, the, uh, the, the elevator version is, our, our vision is really just a world that can move money simply and securely. So we talk about that vision a lot internally. It was founded in 2008. It really pivoted from a P2P product to an API-driven payments company, uh, really kind of 2015, 16. So that's somewhat of a rebirth that we talk about in Dwala's existence. And it's really just built on this premise that a simple idea that you should be able to move money affordable, easy, fast. Uh, You know, really it was, it was born out of the idea that uh, customers and clients and businesses were, were tired of paying the high fees and, and maybe manual processes, both on the ACH and the card side. And so we knew there had to be a better way. So we, yeah, we, we built one. You know, really Dwala today, we, we facilitate the movement of call it 25 to 30 billion a year in gross payment volume. So we added about a million and a half new net users last quarter. Uh, we're really excited every quarter, you know, our total client count increases by about 25%. Uh, and I think that's just really a testament to the way the teams have built an API that is really scalable. Um, we have a lot of what I would call premium modalities that kind of circle the ACH product is our beachhead that allows for things like instant payments, real-time payments, balance account numbers, push to debit just a really easy to use payment platform. So ultimately we, you know, we took this world of complex processes of navigating various payment networks and regulations. And, uh, and we just configured it into a simple API where, where clients can access our platform and access the, the banking infrastructure. Wonderful. Thanks, Brady. And yeah. Adam, would you like to introduce yourself as well? Absolutely. So I'm the Senior Director of Corporate Strategy at Dwala, and I have been with the company a little over seven years. So as Brady mentioned, you know, our mission throughout that time has been moving money as affordable and as convenient and simple as, as businesses want to move that money. So been involved over that time, a lot of product initiatives, but also industry initiatives around whether it's faster payments, whether it's some of the whoop, the work that we did with Mojo Loop and contributions towards faster payment initiatives there. 
And really, we're excited to, you know, jump in on some of the, the industry progressions today, because a lot of it's, you know, you know, continuing off of our history around what we've done with different banking partners throughout that time and how we can continue to add value for our customers. That's awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's, it's been uh, amazing to see the journey that Dwell has been on over the past several years. And um, it's just it's very clear that you really keep to the heart of, of that mission statement and, and everything that you build is, is around that. And I, I just absolutely love that. Well, awesome. Well, I think the, the focus of today is really talking a bit about what, what does the future look like for payments in the U.S. and, and specifically RTP. You know, I think um, in the U.S. we're a little bit behind some of our folks, uh, our friends over in Europe and other parts of the world when it comes to instant payments, but we're getting there. <laughs> and uh, I know that Dwala, I, I would fully expect, will be at the forefront of, of that. So I think first off, I'd love to maybe just dig in um, just high level your take on the industry, right? Because I think we're at a really interesting time where you're seeing lots of money being poured into the industry, lots of change, lots of players. So I'd love to just hear your ideas on like, how has the fintech industry grown um, and, and adapted really since the outset of the pandemic? Like what, what do you think is fueling a lot of this growth that's happened over the past 12 months? Yeah, that's a that's a smart question. I'll I'll take a stab, and and Adam and I can just kind of weave in and out with each other, uh, maybe organically. You know, we we watch this a lot. We we sit on several committees, payment committees. We we've, we've worked with the clearinghouse. You know, we obviously have a really good relationships just in the larger payment and fintech ecosystem in terms of partnerships or strategic alliances, uh, even if it's in in some ways a, a competitor. So I feel like we have pretty good purview uh, or maybe insight in, into that question. I would say, you know, all fintech types, if we think about investments, lending, overall banking, especially the, the emergence of, of BAS, uh, and then in our world, payments has just grown uh, statistically um, in pretty compelling ways since, since the crisis began. You know, initially, especially in business to consumer payments and, and then secondarily business to business payments, there was really a drop in kind of Q2 of last year. You saw payment volume across the board uh, kind of drop. People weren't spending money, they weren't shopping, they weren't transferring payments, or, or there wasn't commerce between businesses as much. But then, really quickly after, you saw it not just start to grow again, but it is now eclipsed pre COVID levels even though we're not right fully out of the pandemic, which is super interesting. So yeah, it's it, these general banking platforms to, to include payments. There was this absolute increase. I think that's part driven by consumers opened more fintech, fintech accounts, right? That's just a trend in terms of local banking versus uh, virtual banking options. And then from a business standpoint, it, it really was survival of the fittest. If you were a business without an e-commerce solution or without a digital payment solution, it's really hard to compete, right, with those faster fund flows, with consumers' preferences as it, as it relates to, uh, to buying your product or service. So there's just been a lot of catch up, especially with those that have been slow to adopt these different payment modalities to uh, not just survive, but right thrive throughout the, the totality of the pandemic. Adam, what are your thoughts? Anything that I missed? Yeah, and you know, it's it's really about flexibility. So if you think about what the the pandemic, you know, created is businesses had to be more flexible with their payments experience, with their businesses, like just 
how they operate in general. And you know, what we were saying going into it is businesses had that on their radar as far as their plans and how that equated to payments is they were looking to adopt more digital payments, those type of those type of avenues. So we're really excited to be able to support that. But, you know, as consumer behavior changes in the business world, we're starting to see more trends like individuals that are used to, you know, I can get paid on the weekends. I can get paid anytime, you know, around the clock that I want to be able to receive those funds. So it's really creating those flexible options. So it's not a, it's not an eight to five world anymore. It's more of a, a anytime the the businesses want to be able to move funds or be able to operate in general, um, being able to support that. It's been, it's been, you know, fascinating to be able to see that coming out of, you know, the, the pandemic and some of the, the industry impact that we saw. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. And I think that, that's a, that's a really good, I guess, segue into my next question, which is how, like talking about the B2B space, right? Cause I think you've, you've touched on this, which has been on the plans of a lot of businesses for a while, but there was no, catalyst, right? There's no impetus necessarily. And so what do you think that experience has been like for businesses? And what do you think, you know, as you said, there's some winners and losers, a bit of a survival of the fittest. What do you think is like the most important key piece of these businesses being able to quickly shift the, the ship, I guess, as you could say, and adopt these types of be where your customer is uh, payment strategies? Yeah, it's a great question. I, you know, I can speak from, from the perspective of Dwalla. When, when we look at this, this really uh, significant increase in, in client growth that we've had, we've started to see kind of emerging trends or patterns with the businesses that are integrating into our platform. They're, they're really looking for a couple things. A really interesting dynamic that's emerged over the last 12 months that I haven't seen is that the simplicity associated with integrating with your product, in this case, a payments product has become, if not the leading consideration, one of the biggest considerations. And so there, there's been a lot of buzz around low code, no code solutions. And so what we started tracking uh, about nine, 12 months ago uh, was a time to value metric. And when we say time to value, it represented the number of days on average that it takes a new Dwalla customer to fully integrate with our API and to start transacting. Historically, that number had always been, I believe in 2019, early 2020, it was about 155 days. And if you look at the spectrum, it's, that's right around the middle, right? People could take six or 12 months and spend millions of dollars to try to replicate just even basic entry into the ACH network that we've built. So to be able to get the sophistication of the Dwalla product in 155 days at a fraction of the cost was always, uh, that was always a big value that we brought. Well, when we looked at the pandemic, we realized not all of our customers have developers or have really deep technical expertise. So how can we reconfigure the entry point of our product and reconfigure that into a really simple uh, entry point? And, and that's where, you know, low code, no code type solutions enter. So our engineering teams, we pivoted a lot of resources last year to say, let's create what we call a low code or product simplification theme in the business that allows customers to quickly integrate with one or two simple API, significantly reduce the lines of code, utilize things like drop-in components and let them get in and start transacting. I think our rolling average now is under 40 days. Oh, wow. and, and we've even seen businesses in the single digits. 
go from start to finish for a full integration. That is like a tech superpower. <laughs> it's really <laughs> impressive, yeah. <laughs> so we're, we're really proud of that. And that's something that I think we got right strategically. That We said, okay, let's get people access. Let's give it to them in really easy ways. And we continue to iterate on how to make it even more and more simple. So that's a big reason. The other one is just the cost consideration to, to move a payment, right, electronically. Coming from the card side of the business, you know, I... I'm really intimate with Visa and MasterCard's 287 different interchange categories. Uh, so you have the percentages, the transaction fees, the batch fees, the chargeback fees. And so when you're giving up three to 4% of a transaction, a lot of businesses just don't have the margin to absorb that. So ACH as an alternative rail is really compelling for a lot of businesses. Its biggest hindrance to adoption to compete with the card side has always been deposit time. Yep. So what Dwala, again, I, I think just really smart of the business is they said, how can we start to bridge the gap in terms of deposit time between ACH and cards, bring those closer together, give them a really attractive entry point into the business, and then charge on average only 90 to 95% excuse me, charge only 5 to 10% of what a card interchange transaction would cost. So pennies on the dollar. Yeah. And so through things like real-time payments, push to debit, some of these other kind of premium modalities, Dwala has launched or is launching, right? A lot of those premium features that like, it's really creating a pretty compelling case why a business would ever need uh, a card solution. Yeah, wow. That's awesome. And Adam, did you have some thoughts as well? Yeah, and as kind of care, you had mentioned like the that digital transformation was accelerated by the the basically the the climate. But what we're seeing is the businesses that are adopting those technical solutions, whether it's you know the Dwala platform from a payments perspective, they're really setting themselves up for future success. So where you know the historical costs related to paper checks for contractor payments, you know, digitizing that with a payment solution. Really, those businesses are kind of, you know, it may have been expedited on the roadmap, but they're really not, you know, making any concessions when they're looking at the long-term strategy around what their, their payments experience is. So it's really, it's great to see because, you know, whenever something like that happens, you want to make sure businesses have that long-term, you know, plan in place because you want, you know, as they continue to grow their business to be able to, you know, reduce those costs and just from an operations, be able to continue to scale their operations, you know, for years to come, you know, as we, as we continue on. Yeah, no, that's, that's great. And I think the um, convergence of, I really like that you brought up the concept of speed and convenience versus cost versus ease of implementation. Because I think when you look at all these different competing payment rails, it's, it's always that sort of pick and choose and, you know, where, where do you decide to invest? Um, and, and actually, that, that kind of brings me to my next question. So talking about specifically RTP, which, you know, is through the clearinghouse or FedNow, I know that's coming a little bit later. Do you think, so I guess, where do you, where do you see that thing, right? Because I think there's a lot of investment that a lot of people are making in the card space and, and you know, the networks are, are very powerful in, in what they're starting to offer. And, but you always mentioned that interchange is very, can be really heavy on a small business and some of those costs. But the convenience factor is obviously there for the consumer. I think traditionally ACH hasn't always been that that convenient until the likes of Dwala have come about. Um, RTP, I think, I think makes it easier for the likes of Dwala to make the bank-to-bank -bank transfer 
even more attractive potentially because of the first, the reduce in risk, because I know with chargebacks and all that around ACH, it's tough. Um, but I would just love to hear your thoughts around like, do you think this is a game changer for the industry and, and just maybe provide some details around that? I can jump in. We do. I mean, we do see RTP as a, that game changer as far as taking the, and you mentioned the legacy systems that we have domestically and really fast tracking those from a bank to bank transfer and really competing with what cards has traditionally been able to provide. I think in, you know, looking at just the landscape, the clearinghouse of solutions has certain banks that have adopted the solution. And then there's, there's other folks that they may have plans for Fed now down the road. They may have other plans, whether it's, you know, a push to debit solution to compete. You know, and that's where we've provided the flexibility on our platform. So, you know, we have those banking relationships to be able to leverage, whether it's the ACA trails, whether it's the, you know, the RTP products that, that our banking partners provide and provide an easy API integration. Brady had mentioned, you know, previously that I'm a product engineering background, but, you know, in our API, it's as simple as a, a small change. It's not a separate integration. Whereas the businesses that they need to provide RTP today, they need to go and stand up a completely new integration with a different provider. So we've been able to, to help make by leveraging some, you know, some sophisticated technical concepts, we've been able to abstract that complexity of pivoting back and forth between ACH, RTP, whether it's our push to debit product, um, any of those type of things that our, our businesses would want to leverage, you know, throughout throughout the work week or even on the weekend. Yeah, that's great. Brady, any additional thoughts on that one? No, he, yeah, you know, a lot of people, if they're not in payments or understand that the, the tech under the engine, they, they, they'll hear something like Adam just said, they go, that's cool. Um, <laughs> But, you know, Dwala is actually, so we're, we're in our Series C fundraise right now. So I'm, I'm speaking to investors and potential investors almost entirely from with a payments background. And, um, you know, when we talk about this piece of what Dwala has built, especially is it, 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 it dials into the RTP conversation. This is, I'll use it again, it is a tech superpower. So the idea that a client can switch instantaneously between different modalities without additional bank integrations or having to go to one of the RTP banks themselves. We just see that as a huge competitive advantage. In fact, I would love to share it. We're under NDA for a couple more weeks, but we've even had, for example, really large, well-known global fintechs reach out to us on the rumors that we had built out a lot of the plumbing for RTP where they've partnered with us in that we build RTP for them and they're taking that to U.S. domestic markets for hopefully first mover advantages. So we have some of those announcements coming out soon, not just our own RTP launch, but yeah, Dwal has done an amazing job to get ahead of this curve. And, uh, and we think we've built a product that's going to kind of stand, it's going to stand alone in, in the larger RTP landscape. That's fantastic. And, and it's, it's funny because I was actually... Thinking about that a little bit, one so I've, I I tiptoe between the the bank world and the fintech world, which of course are connected at the end of the day, right? We we all know this in the industry, but you have your more traditional community banks, credit unions, um, but then you have some of the more kind of tech forward, whether they're sponsor banks or banks that are trying to like launch their own digital brands. And I think the the, the sad and frustrating thing about the RTP adoption is the technology. It's the ability to actually 
integrate in a cost-effective and timely manner. And yeah. I mean, I know every single bank wants it, of course, but they're, they are unfortunately reliant on a handful of you know, infrastructure providers that might not even be from the same company and trying to manage all that together. And so the fact that you make the point of you've built, you've built the hard piece that is so modular in nature that anyone could really just pick it up and, and switch back and forth between those payment methods is, is so smart. Um, there's no question about that. No, so, we need to, we need to get you on payroll. It's really good. That's great. <laughs> oh well, no, I'm just I'm just excited because I think the industry needs it, right? I mean, it's yeah. it's, it's well well over due time. <laughs> so so maybe talking about that, you know, because I think traditionally, you know, you look at Dewall, and I know that um, I, I I probably am misrepresenting this, but payments as a service in a way, right? Where you're providing that that power behind a lot of these brands. But um, you are, again, you're going sort of direct to market, you, you know, you sort of touched on it, maybe I know you're under NDA, you can't speak about names, but have you, are you thinking about a different strategy for the future where you'll always have that sort of direct to consumer, direct to corporate brand, but it sounds like maybe you'll even start thinking about these more larger enterprise, uh, you know, uh, almost enterprise deals where you're providing the power behind another big like bass or a provider like that is that something that you could talk about or yeah no it's yeah. A, that's a really smart question actually you know when uh, upon my arrival when, when i looked at the go-to-market strategy for dwalla i had this sense that dwalla was capable of being so much uh more in the payment landscape or a, a much bigger player than they were and dwalla is kind of an enigma everybody's heard the name they've been around forever but when you say, what does Dwalla do? Like everyone kind of stumbles like uh, to, to really articulate, like what's at the core of Dwalla in terms of their tech? And I was no different. And, and so as I've got to know the business really more, uh, more over the last year, that, that was one of those like, you know, really core questions that we ask ourselves, like who exactly are we? And when you throw a, a heat map up in terms of other payment players, who do we compete with? Do we compete with anyone? Or what is our differentiator? You know, what's our beachhead that we want to focus on? And actually with Adam's leadership, we went through a pretty extensive um, value creation planning process to, to answer some of those questions that have impacted our roadmap and our strategic focus in, in some really cool ways. So one of the, the outputs of that, that, that uh, maybe discovery process was we were really one dimensional in terms of how we were going to market. We would have a potential customer come to Dwalla, if you think of an inverted sales funnel, uh, and it would be a demo, be an account executive, it would work up a funds flow case, and then right, we would integrate and, and close with that, that customer. And the business has been able, been able to grow really nicely doing that. But we, we asked, how can we get our product to market at scale? So one of the things we did is we diversified our go-to-market channels, product-led growth, kind of taking a playbook from Slack and, and from some other companies. That was a, a that consumed a lot of resources where we said with product simplification, with drop-in components or a low-code solution, let's let businesses come to us and self-onboard into the platform. So an asynchronous onboarding experience. You don't even have to talk to a Dwell employee. And we provide really robust libraries, dev docs we have a really nice sandbox to play in and what we've seen there is product-led growth as a new channel is driving about 40 percent of our client growth today 
So it's absorbed and driven a lot of client acquisition. A direct sales model is still part of it. So talking to customers one at a time. Uh, another one that's really exciting that you touch on is what we call strategic partnerships. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Ben Milne, Walla's original founder, uh, myself being in payments for a long time, we just recruited a, a senior MasterCard executive for our, to be the new president COO. There's no shortage of opportunities or partnerships in fintech that want to integrate with Walla in terms of commingling our tech. You know, it could be, think names like Plaid or Galileo or in, in Finicept or Finicity or um, Modo, right? Like there's just so many out there. And right now we have, I would say 20 or 30 potential partners that we're talking to and really, it's a, it's a struggle of prioritizing where does our resources and time make most sense in terms of those integrations. That is kind of a one-to-many opportunity, I think, is not just compelling for Dwalla, but in the larger payment landscape, I speak a lot about how fintechs being so siloed from each other, there's a huge ecosystem where we can play together and create really cool products that don't compete and are complementary to each other. So that as a strategy, getting to market at scale is really big for Dwala. We've got a lot of exciting partners and it's it's definitely going to be a piece of the business we we continue to invest in this year and and beyond. I love that. That's that's um that's something I'm excited as you know being a partner person myself to see you know five years from now what what, what is the industry going to look like? Because I think that what you see is you have folks that are focused on doing one thing really well, right? And, and then yeah. growing from there. So Dwala has always been a payments, you know, payments at its core. And then you have others that are always just like card processors, card launching as a core. And then you have others that are kind of maybe trying to build it all themselves. And where is that consolidation going to happen? And is it going to be through organic growth or it's going to be through these types of partnerships? I'm, you know, of course I'm biased as a partner person, but I think the ones that will win are the ones that can take um, the folks that do something really, really well and create it into almost like a marketplace or, or go to market um, with the best yep. of breed, right? And I think, I do think that's what's going to win, but it will be interesting to see the journey along the way. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we agree. We agree. <laughs> that's wonderful. So um, one last question for you. So thinking, of, thinking ahead, right? So this industry is changing so fast. When you think about your customers, your actual businesses that you service, you know, right now it's it's still, I would say that the market's very disjointed. A lot of a lot of businesses still are directly using their banks um, as their main provider. Um, and there's a lot of folks coming out that are trying to make that experience better through the banks, whether it's through, you know, integrated ERPs or integrated ARAP, that kind of stuff. And then you see, you know, you have the dwellers of the world that are kind of going a little bit more direct to market um, in coordination with their bank partners. What do you hope to see when it comes to cash flow and the experience of businesses? Like, are there certain sub-segments that you think will be ahead of others? Do you see in five years that maybe all businesses will have adopted new ways of, you know, accepting and, and, and giving out payments? Like, what is your goal around that? I think I'd be exposed as a fraud if I tried to answer that one. I've got some <laughs> thoughts, but I'd, I'd love to give, yeah, Adam a crack at that one. I think what I'm really excited about over the next five years is industries that have had legacy solutions in the past. So I'll use the example of I came from a property and casualty insurance company where a lot of the, you know, the claims payouts, those type of things are just their legacy processes. And those folks adapt, you know, adopting 
maybe not an ERP driven system, but they're looking just for a payment solution that's really good um, and really partnering on that. And, you know, you had mentioned all of the other companies that are trying to do all the different things. You know, how do we embrace them, as Brady just mentioned, as partners towards our journey rather than competitors towards our journey? And that's really, I think, is more. And, and I mentioned I had been at Dwala for some time, seven years. We continue to embrace partners as part of our journey rather than the, the competitors where at, at the beginning we were trying to build it all on our own because, you know, we were one of the, the only ones doing it at the time. But partnering with you know, folks like Currency Cloud, those, those type of different companies to be able to expand our, our, our footprint. So I think that's key to when you go to a company, a large insurance company, or when you go to a large healthcare provider that may have a, a payments process that they've had for years, built operational processes around that, being able to say, you know, we do the payment process really well, but we also partner with a ton of folks that do the other services that you all need. And really providing that holistic experience is really, really exciting for me and really where I think we will capitalize. But we also have a lot of folks that also, uh, you know, partners that will also be along for that journey. And we really embrace that as a, as a company and a culture. That's awesome. I love that. Um, and, and then one last question off the back of that is, so one, one thing that we see <laughs> is in, in going to some of those companies that have the older school processes. Um, it's oftentimes a, a huge lack of lead time in education. And as you mentioned, you've created a lot of cookbooks and SDKs and all sorts of no-code solutions that make it easier. But sometimes ripping up that process can be really difficult. Like, do you have maybe just a couple lines of advice for businesses that are thinking about this payments, um, you know, innovation processes and how to tackle that? Because I know it is very overwhelming for a lot of companies when that's not the backbone of what they do, but yet so it's such an important piece of it. A, yeah, that's a good observation. And maybe we both can kind of share closing thoughts. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, you know, I'll say one of the things that Dwell has tried to be really mindful of is we stand to benefit um, if our customers are successful. Mm -hmm. if, if our customers launch a payment product and it's done the wrong way or it's overly complex or there, there's a burden financially to, to integrate with that payment solution, then ultimately we lose alongside with our client. So whether it's not having the technical uh, wherewithal or knowledge on how to integrate API or how to code our solution into your platform, our teams are really focused on, regardless of the, the acumen of the client, consulting and working with them to create these funds flow cases where they can start moving money to include through a simple dashboard that we've created. If you just need to send receive funds. And, and as Adam called out, we have clients everywhere from the Gates Foundation uh, or really large global enterprises down to the, the local tire shop who wants to get uh, a more automated payment solution. Uh, and he's really good at fixing cars or switching tires, but coding is not his forte. Right. And even from a selfish standpoint, the non-technical TAM, the total available market for companies that need and want a payment solution, but don't have the technical background necessary to integrate, that's where our low-code solution and really that consultative approach to helping clients integrate, it's really paying dividends to the business right now. Yeah. So I would say, don't be intimidated. Uh, we've got great account and integration managers. We have really good account execs that can whiteboard pretty creative solutions. At least in Dwala's case, the API is really flexible. 
we call it programmable. So we can bend it to a lot of different needs of businesses. And um, I don't think I've yet to see a situation where we can't come up with a, with a solution for a business. Awesome. What are your thoughts, Adam? Just, uh, just to add on to that. And Brady, you nailed it from like a quality perspective. So, you know, I, I've been part of integrations where, you know, it's a cost decision where you go with maybe a, maybe a partner or a technology that isn't, it's like fitting a square peg into a round hole. Um, I think when we, you know, when we look for partnerships, whether it's, you know, our, our banking partners, if we look for, you know, you know, clients, different, you know, different strategic partners we want to have, we really look at, is it, you know, is that quality, you know, support solution in place? So do we have the right folks interfacing? Because at the end of the day, it may be easy to implement, um, but it may not necessarily be a long-term solution because you might not have the right, right folks at your disposal. So like the example is we have dev relations, that's dedicated folks to walk through the technical intricacies of our solution. And you know, when we look at, at partnering, we also look at do, do our partners have those type of solutions as well? You know, are the, is their documentation you know, really well put together? Like some of those type of things, because it's really that, that you know, quality experience that's going to allow folks that are, have a legacy solution to have an easy implementation and moving over to a new technology and eventually just have the, the right partner long-term rather than a, a quick decision. Yeah, yeah, that definitely makes sense. It goes back to that sort of you win when your client wins and growing with the client because if they're not successful, neither are you. And so the integration is one thing, but supporting the business behind that is, is the key piece as they as they venture into new um, business areas and, and growing their clients. So um, anything, just as, as a wrap up, anything else that you wanted to mention on the podcast today that I haven't um, touched on that you'd like to share with our audience? No, these, these were really thoughtful questions and we appreciate uh, the opportunity to, to maybe showcase what we've been working on and what we've been building. There, there's a lot, as you know, happening in payments and uh, it changes almost by the day in the week. Uh, so we, yeah, we just appreciate being able to, to have some time with you and share a little bit about uh, the Dwala side of things. Well, really appreciate your time as well, Adam and Brady. It's, uh, it's been really great to just See the journey of Dwala, and I'm excited for some of those announcements once you're able to make them in the few <laughs> coming few weeks here. But uh, yeah, I look forward to hopefully having you back on the show in uh, a year or two, and just seeing the continued growth and success of Dwala. So thank you so much. Yeah, thank you, Kara. Keep up thank the good you. work. Currency Cloud is an online payments company that makes international money transfers fast and simple for businesses. We're building a borderless future where international transactions are seamless for a better user experience. Discover the world's most trusted payment platform and our toolkit of developer-friendly APIs at currencycloud.com. You've been listening to the Payments Innovation Podcast. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe now on iTunes or your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening. Until next time.